0: Lennon Campbell is the founder and host of the In Their 20s podcast, where he explores the frameworks and routines used by some of the most influential people while they were in their 20s by interviewing them directly on his show. Recent episodes have featured notable guests such as Steve Wozniak and Ev Williams, investors Jason Calacanis and David Sachs, and executives like Kathy Besant, to name a few. In addition to his work on In Their 20s, Landon hosts and manages the events and experiences put on by Inside.com. During this conversation, we discussed how content creation has vaulted his career in areas he definitely thought were impossible, his personal key to landing great guests, and how a personal tragedy led Landon to where he is today. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I really think you all will too. Let's dive into this episode with Landon Campbell of In Their 20s. Put
1: that content down. Content. For closers only. What's your name? Content. That's my name. (laughs) You know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers.
0: Welcome back into Content is for Closers. I'm your host, Adam Vasquez, alongside Carlton Riffle. This is my fourth take of this intro.
1: Because I, Great job, Adam. Great job. I'm thoroughly impressed. Man,
0: what a brutal start.
1: How's the weather by you? Know, you it's Adam. rainy.
0: It's You got into my head with the grammar police several episodes back on the welcome in versus welcome back. and so We're you know, in
1: trouble if I'm the grammar police. Let me I, tell you that. I know,
0: but it, it's where we're at. So anyway, Carlton. Thank you for thank you for being here with us. I got to tell you, I don't know I don't know who you're paying, what you're doing, but we're getting a lot of positive feedback about the Carlton Riffle side of this duo. So that's what well I just
1: created some bots, some, some comment bots to that
0: are commenting in there
1: and pump my stats. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's been, it's been really, really positive actually. So if if you haven't engaged or seen some of the things that uh, we're doing on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, be sure you, you check that out. But it's kind of, it's kind of appropriate that we, we, I stumbled a little bit because our guest today is talking to people in their twenties and he's having Conversations around mistakes people make, lessons learned, and, and how people in their twenties currently can avoid those. So maybe this this just folds into that. This is one of the things that that I could share as a lesson to someone. Yeah, here. I
1: mean, there's so many people that have underestimated the uh, potential of their twenties, and I feel like there's uh, a few years right after college where your mindset is that you can take on the world
0: mm, for sure. And
1: uh, I love I love this interview because of that. He he dives into kind of what he's taken on a few years just a few years after college and then uh, it goes from there into what makes good content you guys have some great some great discussion around that what it looks like to book great guests and leverage that for PR purposes and some life lessons in between I feel like this episode has the the total package
0: yeah for sure before we get to the episode though I want to uh, I want to make sure we stick to our stick to our game here so what is the icebreaker that you have for us this week for before we get to landon
1: yeah, so Landon's episode, we're talking about our 20s, just throwing it back a few years. If, if you don't know, I actually am no longer in my 20s. That <laughs> might be a surprise for uh, some people who... Carlton's not I'm a high a school, school engineer. Engineer.
0: Many people have been <laughs> just giving you compliments thinking, wow, what an advanced high schooler. It's not the case.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, none of that. Yeah. So Adam, what what's something, an opinion, a thought, an idea that's changed for you since when you were in your 20s to now?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think probably the most obvious thing is, and this is this is not even like early twenties, but I'm 32 now. We, Derek and I, became partners when I was 27, and and at, even at that stage of my 20s, I definitely equated the size of something that you build with how successful it is. So, coming from the consulting world and then the advertising agency world, everything was correlated in terms of size, which your, which your, you know, total addressable market, how much, how many tens of millions of dollars in revenue are you creating? And by all of those metrics, we are massive failures. So I had to, <laughs> I've had to readjust a little bit, and I think that part of that is is real life, just seeing when you have just functional. Um, it's quality over quantity. Yeah, right? it, well, it's just different objectives. It's like, how much do you need in order to be able to uh, run a business effectively? Are you pr- are creating value? Are you able to do things that you want to do with your family? All those sorts of things that I probably just didn't even really think about in, in my 20s. But what about you?
1: I guess mine's not that profound, but it's still, I think, a good lesson for for anybody out there in their 20s. So I used to just look for like the cheapest tool to get the job done. So when it came to like woodworking tools. I'd go to Harbor Freight and pick up the saw for a hundred bucks, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, now I've, I've come to learn through frustration and errors that it's actually just worth it to pay up front for a quality tool. I feel like I'm 80 years old telling my younger self just to, to spend the money on the good quality Oh, I think shoes that's or a good quality shirt. But uh, yeah, especially for tools that are going to be used in making something, it's a, uh, it's always a good idea to go with the the best.
0: Yeah. And it's a mindset overall too. Once you decide you're going to, you're going to commit to quality, it also allows you to have less things overall a lot of times. So yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Those are both good tips. And and I totally agree with your assessment earlier. I think in addition to some of the life story that Landon shared and really some tragic things that happened to him along the journey of building in their twenties, he also provided a lot of really tactical advice for people on like how to get the caliber of guests that he gets and he, and he only interviews a list type guests. So I think there's a lot packed into this very concise episode that people will be able to apply. All right, we've got Landon Campbell here, the founder and creator of In Their 20s. Landon, first of all, thank you so much for, for joining our show.
2: Of course. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So Landon, are you and your business partner at the time started uh, a show called In Their 20s. And I want to get it a little bit into how you all did that, what the, what the intention was. And then obviously, there's a, a bit of a sad component to, to your story. And I would love to hear how that's impacted just where you're going and, and what the purpose of your effort is so far of course yeah
2: so again adam thank you for having me created a very popular podcast and i just always enjoy talking about the journey because it wasn't always popular it wasn't always this big thing still have a long ways to go as well but it's been a journey to say the least we got to go back a little bit though i'd say march 2020 back when the world started to go haywire from the pandemic we saw a trend we saw a trend where a lot of our friends peers we were all approaching college graduation and no one had their shit figured out including myself including my best friend michael and it was just a sad time not just for people in their 20s but for everybody i will say though that especially people in their 20s you're in this defining decade you need the answers you want the answers you're comparing yourself to what other people are doing you have pressure from your family you just again it's a very stressful time so my best friend michael and i we had our post-grad jobs already lined up so we said hey we have this extra time between graduation and when we actually start these roles what can we do to help people and something that michael and i had in common we had a lot of internships in college i had 10. i've worked at places wow. like cameo yeah um, kind of crazy but i just really i love learning you know i love meeting people as well two big things that I really enjoy. So I found identity through these internships because I was moving to a new place, knew nobody. So I said, let me just get out there and like meet people. So I've worked at like Cameo, Motorola, the Tribune, some great places. Michael, he um, he did the finance route. So he was more valuations, but he had all these amazing internships too. So we had so much advice given to us while we were in college. Amazing mentors, great people we worked with. How can we scale that? Like for other people who maybe didn't have so many internships or purely just don't have access to the best advice because something we've believed since day one, in order to become successful, you need to see success. Mm -hmm. So the best way and most efficient way to do that was through a podcast. We saw trends in audio. I believe 42% of us Americans over 12 consider themselves to be monthly podcast listeners. That number is not going to, we're not going to see heavy decline there. People love podcasts because you're able to learn able to teach, grow your brand, connect with people, network. So we saw the trend with podcasts there. But what we did, we added this amazing idea where how about we just interview the most influential people to share their stories of success. So not like what they're doing today, not so much what, how their stock is performing, what it's like being a billionaire, but more the times when they didn't have their shit figured out. So when they were going through tough times, uncertainty, anxiety, those are the stories we share on the podcast.
0: Yeah, that's that's I love that story. I mean, I I have a somewhat similar experience. I graduated in 2011, so not right into that recession that you probably heard about. But like, I had a lot of friends who graduated to the 2008 recession and had no, no. clue what was happening. And I feel like class, your your peers graduated into a similar environment. It didn't or hopefully it hasn't ended up being as much of a economic collapse as, as what we saw in 08, but it's still the uncertainty was there, especially for a lot of you who were coming into the job market for the first time or, or trying to figure that out. So I think one thing that's that's interesting or curious is like, there was a lot of people who had the same experience, same uncertainty that, that you all were, were facing, but they didn't necessarily see content as an opportunity or an avenue or, or whatever for for a change. So what what is it about your experiences or or what you and Michael were thinking about that sort of gave you that idea to say hey content isn't just th- this thing that like we consume on YouTube or uh, that that tiktokers use but it's actually something that can help us improve and help others through this platform.
2: Of course no content is key and when we look at content we just saw it as a powerful tool for mainly distribution, but even more importantly, control. When I think of 20-somethings, when I think of even beyond that, people in their 30s, 40s, if you ask anyone what they want to do in life, it's going to be different. I want to be a famous music artists, kill it in the business world. I want to do X, Y, and Z. But what we all do and have in common is we're really fighting for that control over our lives. So I think that the way we use content is just as a way to build the brand, but we have control over the narrative. So that's something like really magical about our process and anybody that utilizes content. We're able to build our own following, our own audience. We're working on building a community, but we have the control over... The advice that people get, and that's not something that we take for granted, but that's something that really goes into what we've created. So that's a really powerful thing that we've thought about since day one. And then I mentioned uh, distribution as well. The content we put out there, we, we put those golden nuggets out on our social media platforms, all of our episodes, wherever people stream their podcasts. Because we've built such a strong audience, our people, like the people that tune in every single week, share, they share our content with their friends, their family, their peers. So for distribution, it's been very effective as well. It takes a lot of work to put out a lot of content and you have to be strategic. And my, my kind of three rules or thoughts with content or just the content we put out are uh, consistency. We want people to always understand like, hey, this is not in their 20s post. This is coming from in their 20s simplicity as well. I think that there's so much stuff going on the internet, you only get like three seconds uh, mm-hmm. before someone gets distracted. So we really try and put out just simple content, social content, but then also with the questions we ask. Yes, we're asking in-depth questions, but they're questions that anybody can understand and really learn something from the show. And last thing that's really probably one of the most important thing is shareability tied into that distribution. We put out content that people want to share, that they are so proud that they're a part of our audience and they learn something and they want to share with their audience. So that's great. kind of some tips and tricks that we've learned with content. We still have a long ways to go again in improving our content, making it better, making it even more shareable, more consistent and more simple. But uh, I feel like we're really on a good path because we acknowledge what needs to be done with that.
0: Yeah, that's good. So, okay, let's recap that. So it was, it was consistency, simplicity and shareability. Were those the Double. three? Yeah, yeah, those are the three. I think that's great. We just had on, depending on when this gets published, either just had on or are about to have on Rachel Braun, who is the producer of Jason Calacanis' podcast, who I know you had on, right? As yep. well, Jason, yeah. and uh, she talks quite a bit about that—the that idea that you can be as creative as you want, but when it comes to content, when it comes to this this industry, it's really less about creativity as it is consistency. And, yes, and at least in her experience, I, I totally agree. I think that resonates with what you're talking about, and especially when you're talking to like what I love about what what you all have built is so often. I think business owners especially can get caught in this cycle of trying to transact too quickly when it comes to, to content creation, as opposed to just creating for the audience's needs. And what you yes. all have done so effectively is you are the audience, right? So you, you know what those needs are, you know what those likes and dislikes are, and have been able to, to do it from the, the bottom up as opposed to trying to talk down or push some messaging on onto a specific community. I love that. I think that's a beautiful approach to, to building a brand.
2: Thank you. And I just, just to add to that, too, I just read this um, awesome tweet a few days ago. I get a lot of inspiration from Twitter. And, uh, you know, it was talking about what a listener of a podcast should be feeling when they're listening to your episode. And it's three things Is this episode useful to me? Do I find this episode engaging? And can I take actionable steps from these insights? to put towards my own business, my own creation. Um, And I think again, that's really powerful because you hit it on the dot too. Like I'm a listener or I'm an audience member for all of my episodes. I kind of get it first before we release it. So I've been on advice overload. So it's really (laughs) easy for me to say like, I nail those three things every single time I listen to one of our episodes. And that just really makes me happy because I know our audience also um, as listeners can relate to those three things as well.
0: Yeah. So I know part of your story and, and in reading a little bit, uh, just in preparation for this conversation is that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Michael passed away. Is that correct? Over the yeah. last year or so. And, uh, and so you've talked a little bit about how part of why you've continued this is to extend what he wanted to do in his legacy. And I, d- I don't want to be overly morose or, or pull on a very difficult time, I'm sure for you, but I would just be curious, how, how has that motivated you to, to continue on what you all started together?
2: Of course, no, thank you for being respectful about that. I I talk about my relationship with Michael a lot. I mean, he is in their twenties, so always open to discuss this. Before we started the podcast, we were roommates. You know, we lived together for two years in a dirty six bedroom apartment next to our college, um, Lincoln Park location. Before that, we were best friends. We met each other freshman year. I was new to Chicago from the Bay area. He's from a suburb near Chicago, but we just really, really clicked early and uh, knew we wanted to start something together, uh, and we tried multiple times. I'd say like two, two to three different business ideas that were just uh, utter garbage. One of them was pretty cool: it was a documentary series of Chicago designers, which we had to delay because of the pandemic. So that kind of helped us you, take skills from there and put towards the podcast. But yeah, so I mentioned best friend, roommate, and then co-host. So he was he was a lot for me, and he did pass away on April twentieth of this year very unexpected, short, short battle with brain cancer. Yeah, six months younger than me. There's a lot there that I still need to figure out mentally. Just, I, I really used a lot of this year, just spending time with friends, family, because life is so fragile and just, it's still crazy. Like, it yeah. really you know, don't have a whole lot of words on just like what happened, yeah. but, but we started this together and he, again, will always be in their 20s. And I was just so fortunate to have like such a smart, analytical person to begin this with. We were very different hosts as well, which just made the dynamic very powerful. But I, I fondly remember like we'd still have our calls while he was in the hospital, got updates with the show. Like this is who was coming on this week, this is who we're getting on next week. He we did pass, and we did begin to organize a fundraiser as well on behalf of him, his family, preserving his legacy. We were able to raise over twenty thousand dollars, you know, in a few wow. weeks. So, I mean, it's just. And I, that's something I wish that he was able to understand. I don't think he really understood the impact that we were having because we were just grinding uh, for a lot on this. Like during that period, you just don't listen to the criticism, unless it's, you wanna, you know what I mean by that. But uh, you just you, you don't listen to a lot of what the audience is saying, hey, like I love this, or my life was changed by this. But uh, so many people came out after and just during a difficult time and said, hey, like I watched this interview with so-and-so and they quote like a specific moment of the interview that I don't even remember. And then you say, hey, like hearing this moment motivated me to move across the country or start a new job or pivot in my career. So I just wish he was able to see that because he really had a strong impact, not just in Chicago, but on a global level as far as our podcast has reached.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful and I'm sorry for your loss. I really can't imagine being in that situation and especially just the ups and downs of you, you, you built this thing together, it's starting to get success. You, you lose him and now you're sort of at a crossroads of like, do I continue it? Do I change it? So, I guess uh, objectively, what is it that you hope to get out of in their 20s? Is this, is this your business? You've talked about carrying on Michael's legacy, but is it of something course. that you hope to? to continue as a as a as an organization in that way or, or how how do, you, how do you see that moving forward
2: Yeah so since day one the focus has been helping 20 somethings be the best versions of themselves have access to the best advice and how we've done that has evolved over. We started as a web series, which shortly transitioned to a podcast and we have an internship as well. We take in students from across the world and help them break into podcasting because, oh, you know, very I'm a cool. big believer in audio and podcasting. I want these students to have their names attached to something, have skills in creating a podcast because it's something companies are going to be headhunting for. And I know you totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so We teach them everything from professional outreach like, yeah, how, how have we connected with all these people? Like, we give them the secrets yeah. there, like content creation and par- establishing partnerships and ultimately creating their own series. So so is that all
0: through in their 20s
2: or, or yeah, is that a separate yeah it's, it's a partnership that we have with a Chicago-based uh, company. Okay. Um, helps provide the students, but uh, it's in their 20s branded internship. But yeah, to answer your question, like, it's just nice because... I think the sky's the limit. We're just still like focused on that idea of helping 20-somethings. And we have that internship now. I really want to continue to build out the audience. I want that to turn into a community. I feel like there's opportunity there for 20-somethings to collaborate with each other so we can help each other grow and work together long-term. I mean, I think a fund is in the picture. I think accelerator, incubator, some type of product that helps 20-somethings. Of course, we're not there yet. Um, Really focus on the day-to-day right now. And the idea of focus has also been a really important factor as well, like not rushing it, staying focused, focus on solving a small problem for a small group of people, just taking that day by day. Yeah. But I think the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're thinking about it exactly the right way. And, and, and even the idea of going to that smallest, you know, component, that minimum viable person, and what is it that we can provide for them? And then scaling out from there, you, you brought up, and I have to ask you about this because it's insane. Engaged with, or seen in their twenties yet Landon's show, just go through before you even listen, just go through and check out the guest list. It's, it's (laughs) Wild. It's crazy the people that you've had on. And from Steve Wozniak to the Twitter, Ev Williams to, I mean, like every big name, (laughs) every one of them is a big name. Jason Calacanis, who we mentioned earlier. How did you all like get these people? How how did you go about, yeah, reaching out or like, how did that happen?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. So we started small, but I want to be very particular in How I Define Small, because every single person we've had on has been influential to me. Maybe not known on a global level, they've been influential. The first person I had on was a college professor of mine. Our third guest was a college professor of Michael's. We had a former boss, and we just kind of build and build from there. I mean, as you grow, more successful people come on. Word of mouth has been really helpful. Successful people have successful friends um, that they want to tell about the podcast. They understand the vision of what we're trying to build here. So they're willing to recommend, but something that I really urge podcasters to do is roll out the red carpet for every single guest. Hmm. And I, I mean this candidly, it doesn't matter if you are J Cal or Steve Woz or one of my professors, we've treated everybody with that utmost respect, we've really dug into their story, taken time to have a wonderful conversation with them as for marketing the interview as well, making sure that they're represented in the best way, because this is good for their audiences as well. This is a story that they don't really touch on a lot. People want to know how Steve's doing today or like what Elon's doing today or what Oprah's doing today, but we don't always hear about the 20s. So I think it's a unique story that people enjoy coming on because they don't talk about it all the time, but their fans, our audience, the world alike, people enjoy these stories because they don't hear them all the time. But I will say, so important to just roll out that red carpet. It doesn't matter who you have on. And I mean that like in the most respectful way. It doesn't matter yeah. who you have on. Everybody should be treated how you want them to be treated or how they want to be treated.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but our, our first show, our first foray into podcasting four and a half years ago now, which is... Crazy and makes me feel old because you were probably like in high school when when we were doing that. But, um, <laughs> that, that we had a very similar experience being able to, I think it, it's a couple of things. It's the confidence that you have to be able to say, hey, hey, professor, like, you this show is worth your time. Because, exactly. because even a professor, when you're first starting as a student, that's not an easy ask. And then obviously it progresses from there and treating other people consistently again, and, and the way that you wanna be treated is, is, is great advice. Exactly. Anything tactical, like did you find more success on Twitter DMs versus email or, or
2: anything like that? Or is
0: it just kinda like it, it worked out differently for each guest?
2: That's a great question. I'd say that you can send out hundreds of the same email A few are going to bite the, take the bait or you know, join on, but what we do, and sometimes it's not as productive because it takes more time, but I am a big believer in understanding that everybody has a different persona, online persona. Some people, it's clear that they're on their email constantly because they're talking about how they're on their email constantly on Twitter, Mm -hmm. or some people, you know, are open about, they don't use their email. Some people like are on Instagram a lot. Some people are on LinkedIn a lot. And it takes some digging to understand that. And that's something that I learned with Cameo because I interned with Cameo back when they were a small company on the talent acquisition side. For those that don't know what Cameo is, Cameo is a company, it's a marketplace that connects celebrities with their biggest fans for personalized video shoutouts. And on day one, the only celebrities didn't know what Cameo was. So they weren't just like flocking on. It took uh, strategy. You know, it took. Uh, persistence, patience, and unconventional methods of reaching out as well. So I've just realized two things that everybody has a different online persona and you kind of got to figure that out before reaching out to people. And B, there's a lot of podcasts reaching out to these people, but not just podcasts. There's a lot of founders trying to these people ideas. There's a lot of, I mean, they just have a lot of inbound um, email, DMs, whatever it might be. So you got to look uh, for unconventional methods and we don't tell all the secrets of how we get people on. But I just think you got you to think out the box. You have to think out the box and also be in their shoes. If I was Jason Calacanis, who is one of the most prolific angel investors um, like in the world, how would I want to be reached out to? So that's something that we really are intentional about, something that we teach our interns and something that maybe we'll share the lessons to in the future. But it's, it's really done us right because we've been able to get some amazing people on and also can't undermine luck is like a big piece of it. Yeah. With any like beyond podcasts, like any founder that gets, that finds, massive success they'll tell you first off that luck is a huge component of that and we've been lucky beto o'rourke to come on while he was running for president against biden we got like f williams as you, as you mentioned jason calacanis who's as busy as he is was able to come on david sachs is going to be coming on soon oh, was, cool. was like a great one we've had some great people and some random people that you might even not never think about we have the one of the co-founders of photoshop coming on soon who i'm very excited to hear his story and it's just again you, you gotta know their persona how do they want to be reached out in search for those unconventional methods?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. And when, when someone's listening to this, sometimes we always try to get super practical, that was gr- very, very practical advice. But what Landon is saying is essentially go take the extra steps to um, to be different to create something that's yeah. actually beneficial to the to the guest and mm-hmm. approach them in a way that that is unique to them I, I, i'll give a quick when we were talking pitching tory smith who is a wide receiver for the for the ravens and mo- most importantly for the eagles yeah. at one point <laughs> there was lots of people pitching him for his podcast business but we took the time to make a very short quick uh, mm-hmm. Brand video essentially on my phone talking about why we were a better fit and, and, you know, why we, how much we knew about him as a person. And then I DM that to him. I emailed that to him. That's the sort of tactical steps where you can differentiate. It doesn't have to be like a secret sauce or whatever. It just, it just has to be that effort that you're taking. That's exactly what
2: you're. 100%. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's, that's it. And you mentioned being simple Uh, and yeah, simple. is like very important as well, but yeah, just look for unique ways to stand out. Uh, But I love your example because you're able to like show the value in a way that i doubt anybody else probably pitching him was, sure. um, you know, just short, simple, Hey, if you're on the move, just watch this video, right. this shows how much we know about you and what we want to do for you. Like that's an example of what we do as well. So, right. Really right. Cool.
0: So cool. Okay. I would say the other really over indexed part of success that you've had with the show is obviously your guest list is mm-hmm. immaculate and then earned media. You've been of able course. to generate a massive amount of earned media, especially for a show, which I know it's, it feels like it's been going around or existing for a while now. But in yeah. reality, you're what, a year old or maybe a little? A little over a year. Yeah. A not even a year, year and a yeah. half, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, over the long term of things, like we're at the first inning, right? So you've been able yep. to generate a massive amount of attention, which is great in, in such a short amount of time. Any tips or tricks for for marketers and um, business owners who are looking to get some of that type of, of course. attention as well? Yeah.
2: No, that was all intentional since day one as well. We kind of had like three things we wanted to focus on, like before launching, recruiting amazing uh, guests, creating powerful content, and then also getting some press. I'm like Those were like our day one, I wouldn't say uh, principles, but goals, yeah. objectives that we really wanted. Yeah, I'd say objectives actually, and then we had some key results breaking down how we were going to get there. But uh, the purpose of that was I, I kind of related to the music industry you have an artist like Drake. He's so powerful, and everybody knows Drake. And pretty much any song that he's attached to from like a new artist, that artist is going to pop out um, right. and be really known. We've seen it with Migos. We've seen it with Lil Babe. Every artist, pretty much, like he touches a song, it's gold. yeah um, So it's the power of the cosine That's really what it is. If you have other people talking about your stuff, powerful people, big people, you're like that's going to help you blow up. That's really going to help build notoriety. We're fortunate because we speak with amazing people and a lot of these amazing people are able to share what we're doing. That's step one. But step two, we wanted to get press. We wanted to get press because we felt we had such a unique mission and brand that we were building as well that was just short and like could be stated and could like really motivate people to listen and stream our um, content. So before we launched in June of 2020, from March to June, when we had that uh, few month window, We were stacking up interviews. We were creating content before we went public, but another big thing, we were really trying to just understand the mission. We didn't just want to be another podcast that interviewed people. We wanted to get very specific. This is a podcast that interviews influential people to talk about their twenties. And I think anybody can do that. You just need to be specific. You need to know like who you are. Cause if if you don't know what your brand is, if you don't know your values, if you don't know your mission, then how are you going to expect other people? to understand what the hell you're trying to do so that was really important and right when we took off you know we would write blog posts on certain interviews use our media contacts i was a public relations major in college so like i've really understood the power of like a brand and communication we'd use those contacts at the paul we started small hey like this is a student-run podcast let's get some press in there and with that piece of press material, we were able to flip that to the next one, be able to show others, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of like how we began with press. And what was more unexpected was the obvious passing of my co-host. And with that, had a lot of people reaching out and just wanted to learn more about our story. And I was appreciative of like the support and wanted to do everything that I could to make sure that my friend's name was in the paper forever. part of the internet. People can always just type in Michael Holmes, like even today, you can just type in Michael Holmes on Google and you can see all this amazing stuff, not just our interviews, but these great articles that really talk about who he was as an individual. So that was really important to me too. But yeah, I'd say just mainly, you got to understand the brand. You got to understand what you're doing and really compel that or make sure that it's known to media.
0: Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times it, what you said about one leading to the next is so important, right? Especially when you get to traditional media, for whatever reason, I'm not right or wrong or indifferent, it's it's difficult for reporters a lot of times to think about a new subject or about a new topic or a new individual. And so getting past that first barrier to entry and getting some reporter, even if it's like you said, a student newspaper or your local whatever uh, exactly. trade publication, being able to get something and set 10 then being able to show that as a proof of listen we're worthy of coverage because x talked about talked to us about this and we love yeah. just being able to show that is so important so powerful and then having you have to have something great behind it something yes. worthy of coverage which you all obviously obviously did have so yeah kudos you. to you I, th- I love what you all are building i'm really appreciative of you uh spending your time and, and and coming on our show before i let you go i wanted to ask you how old are you now you're what 22 23 23. All right. So really, I mean, basically mid twenties, soon you're going to be 30. It's it's, it goes, it's, it's insane. So as a 23 year old now, what would you, I have to ask you, I mean, this is like your stick, like what would you advise a 20 year old who's listening to this, or maybe even a 19 year old, if you want to back it up an era who is, is doing, going through a similar process to you is maybe four, three or four years behind you, but is looking to understand how they can get involved in the, in the content world. What would your advice be to them as they're trying to build out their careers?
2: Yeah, well, there's a lot there. So okay. thank you for asking because I'm not I'm often on the other side. So yeah, yeah, yeah. let me share some of my best advice. So we'll, we'll start with, before getting to the content uh, side of it, because I have a lot there too. I just want to share this one thing. It's something that I spoke about with a recent guest I had on, uh, Dr. Meg Jay. She wrote a very popular book called The Defining Decade, which actually like talks about the 20s. So it was a guest that we had like wanted for, uh, since day one, just got a chance to interview her and that's coming soon. But oh, um, very cool. we brought up this great point that I really related heavily to and cause she's a clinical psychologist. She works with a lot of 20 somethings and she always has these 20 somethings coming to her saying, I'm going through an identity crisis. Like, I don't know what the hell I want to do right now. And I'm stressing out and there's so much pressure from this or that. I'm comparing myself to this person. She said, people should not be having identity crises in their twenties. Instead, they should be picking up something called identity capital. Identity capital is picking up different skills, trying new things, taking a new job. It doesn't have to be for something that you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be for something that you maybe want to do in five, 10 years. It's capital in the sense where you just can add skills, you know, to your backpack of skills, try new things, see what you like, but more importantly, see what you don't like, and that's only going to help you guide and understand what you want to do in the future. And I related to that because I did it. I had 10 internships, as I mentioned in college, not just in public relations. I was interning at ad tech companies, finance, just regular business, marketing, PR, et cetera, at startups, Fortune 500s. I just was trying to like really understand what I wanted um, by understanding what I didn't want. So just pick up new things. So that's something I would give to my younger self, something I give to any person in their early twenties or even their late teens. Just go into life, trying new things. You don't need to get paid. I took so much free work gladly. And I'm I'm not like saying unpaid internships like are amazing. You have to do that. But like, I mean, Hey, I I think you just got to focus on the work and you don't need to rush and compare yourself so soon for sure. So that's a B as for content I'm online. I share like everything that I'm doing on, you know, a personal level, but like, well, not always personal, but business mainly. So if I have like a chat with someone that was very impactful to my life, like I'm, I'm tweeting about it. If I have an interview coming soon, like I'm posting a story about it. I really just am content fluid for what I'm doing because th- th- your personal brand is just so important. Yeah. That's gonna follow you wherever you go. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It might be completely different from what you're doing in five years. You might be at a new company, get fired. Uh, the thing that's gonna remain though, is your reputation and your personal brand. Uh, so I'm my own CEO in that aspect of my life as well. Um, And I think anybody can do that. You don't need to obviously post as much as I do, but you need to build your brand, become known for something, like be the person that people want to go to for audio, for sports, for gambling. I don't care what it is. Like, just make sure people understand that you are that, you have that knowledge, you are that point person for that. And from that, I've, been able to be headhunted, and a lot of people have reached out to me for collaboration opportunities, et cetera, because they understand this knowledge I have. Obviously, I'm not the smartest person with podcasting and audio, but I really am just constantly talking about it. So I'm always happy to help people launch their own podcast. Just a quick conversation, my thoughts, my advice. Don't have all the answers again, but I'm just able to provide my input based off of my experiences. So I think again, like your personal brand is super important, and that's why I love podcasting. I think podcasting is a great way to do a lot of things, to network, to have amazing conversations with cool people. But one of the most important things, it's a great way to build your personal brand. People get to hear what's going on in here. Whenever I'm on a show or whenever I'm hosting my show, they get to hear my voice. That's something you can't always do really through just a post. I mean, it's nice to be able to have that 30 to an hour window of someone's undivided attention so they can really understand your opinions or thoughts or... Whatever yeah, it it might be.
0: such an intimate yeah. medium, and I think a lot of uh, yeah. people, so that turns some people off to it as, as they like to have a little bit more control, but the the consistency factor you were talking about and the relational bil- capital you can build, I mean, mm-hmm. your, your proof of that is really second to none in, in, in my opinion. And obviously, I'm biased, but I think it's- No, I agree. I agree though. Yeah, Totally. Cool, well, Landon, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your, your story and your experience, and and even just the uh, little tactical things on on how you've grown. If people want to keep up with the show or with you and what you're doing, where should where should we send them? And obviously, we'll have all that linked as well in the show of notes. Of course,
2: yeah. No, again, Adam, thank you so much though for like having me. I had such a good time. If people are interested in reaching out or connecting with me, there's a few ways you could do that. My personal Instagram is Landon, 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 my name three times, <laughs> like um, that. short, sweet, and simple. Um, I'm Black Jew Dude on Twitter. And of course, In Their 20s is everywhere, just at In Their 20s, InTheir20s.com, In Their 20s on Instagram, LinkedIn, Spotify, Apple, um, wherever you want your podcast, wherever you want your content, we're there.
0: Awesome. We'll send everyone there and appreciate you coming on.
2: Awesome. Adam, thank you so much.
1: I love what he has done where he's taken a a lot of a broad category approach, but he's focusing in a niche by getting people to talk about a very small part of their life. Right? So it's one of those things where I think topically they could go everywhere. They could have all sorts of interesting conversations, but he has a part of it that gives, you know, that gives it the niche that that narrows it down into a very specific time that everyone is going through or has gone through. So it's just a, a super Good application of finding something that's applicable to a lot of people, and and it's very broad. Even though at the same time, he's he's found a way to really make it poignant and narrowed in. Yeah, what was your uh, top takeaway?
0: Well, just to layer on top of that, it, it, it's kind of risky, right? Like at the especially at the beginning. I mean, he's only a year and a half into this or something like that. But that's a pretty audacious thing. Like, hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna interview the most famous tech entrepreneurs and investors and have them give us wisdom about their twenties. Well, that's great until you can't get that first big name to come on and, and do that for you. So there's definitely some risk to it. And I think the way that they pursued it and the way that they kind of staged, whatever you want to call it, strict or disciplined in, we're only going to have this type of show. We're only going to pursue this type of niche is why they've been so successful and, and the show continues to thrive. So yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Landon's approach to both creating his his own show. And, and now since we've recorded this, he has announced he's taken a job with This Week in Startups, Jason Calcanis, and, and is working with several of their content channels. I think he's just very authentic in a way that allows him to probably get access to things that maybe he hasn't earned in the sense, like earned, I'm putting in quotes, by his age or by his experience or those types of things. Because and he talked about this, but we talked offline a little bit about things like how, how are you getting some of these guests and he's doing the extra work of recording himself in videos and, and sliding into people's DMs and giving them like an explanation of his story and he, he how he and his partner started the show, uh, using some of the earned media that they've generated over the years as a way to be a dragnet for for potential guests. All these different things where like a lot of times I think people would probably try to fake it or be like, hey, we've got this big show and you should join for XYZ reasons. Landon's not done none of that. He's just gone the full authentic route and it's really served him well.
1: So Adam, we've got this running segment for Have You Heard?
0: AKA free shoutouts.
1: Yes. AKA free shoutouts, free There's ads. All,
0: free shoutouts only. All of the above. Yeah.
1: So what's something that you've heard recently or uh, lately that you'd want to share?
0: Yeah. So I shared this in a uh, recent issue of our Fresh Friday Finds email, which by the way, if you're not subscribed to that, each Friday we send out three ideas on how you can make more money through your content in an email. You can go to getherd.substack.com. Look at that plug, Carlson. Do you like that?
1: Let me me give another plug. Adam has been giving away something. Oh, that is a shout out. <laughs> if you read to the bottom. So but just true. take that to Very you.
0: few people have paid attention yeah. to that, but Carlton has. Yeah. So that that in a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a guy named Florin Pop and he's doing something really interesting. He is a developer by trade who is transitioning from his job in development, his career as a developer, and only gonna make income now through content creation. Which it's just a super interesting and risky thing to do. He's developers are paid very well. He's very good as a developer, so he's he's paid very well. And is trying to not only replace that income, but he's documenting his journey to a million dollars in revenue. He's trying oh, to do this, impressive. yeah, and he's trying to do this over over the course of a year. So it's in the show notes below, but just check it out in his October or in his September report, he generated seven thousand three hundred eighty-eight dollars. Which is great. I think if you you know total that out it's around like eighty thousand dollars on the year. so definitely has some work to do, but it's just a very fascinating thing to watch someone make that transition. Yeah,
1: that's cool what what is his model? Is he just monetizing? With ads or what is he doing to monetize? Yeah,
0: he breaks all of that down. I would encourage people to look at it, but he's doing things like selling courses. So he's teaching what he knows as a developer. He's got an ebook that has brought in a few dollars. He's just had to get scrappy to some degree. So he's doing a lot of different things, but he's streaming on Twitch and gets like, I think he had like 80 bucks this month from (laughs) from sponsors on Twitch. (laughs) So it's all kind of cobbled together. He has some sponsors and things like that, but it's, he's not a known entity that's just like going from being a celebrity over here to being a celebrity over here. And and that's what we see a lot of times. This is kind of a nor- more normal person who's building an audience and and monetizing it as he, as he goes.
1: Cool. So my Have You Heard is the channel, I guess that's the best way to, to uh, say it, or the creator of Recess Therapy. Uh, so it's just uh, Instagram or TikTok. I think he does both. I think he has YouTube now as well. And, uh, what he does is he just interviews kids. I think it's in New York city and just gets some amazing responses. <laughs> I think he gives them like ice cream. So they're like eating ice cream while they talk to him. And just the, the amazing wisdom that kids have is, is pretty funny. So. so is it like a humans a good... in
0: New York thing? Is he asking them about? Yeah. Okay. He just asks them about
1: like, like what's the meaning of life or. Oh, wow. will ask them just like fun questions too. Like what's your favorite animal and why is it their favorite animal? sometimes ask them like about like where animals go when they die so it's it's a great great channel love when i see videos pop up from him
0: that's awesome it's always enjoyable i think recess is probably the thing i miss most about being a kid so anything yeah
1: more. i mean that's just uh t- talking about from in your 20s that's what we should do we should just bring back recess for all for all people above 20
0: i like it Well, listen, if you are into recess or more importantly, into making money through your content, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Big shout out to Landon. We appreciate you joining the show. If you you haven't, be sure to go over and subscribe, rate, review, all those things. And uh, we'll be back next week.